Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years' experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with a really good friend of mine, Anton Lassiter, African-American, pastors of multi-ethnic church. It's actually grown quite a bit during the COVID crisis. And Anton, I'm, I'm really interested in your response to the protests. Do you, you think they're good? Do you think they're bad? You know, I mean, what do you think about it? Have you gone on a protest? I know that you've been doing a lot of interesting things in your neighborhood, just helping people out and going to the auto parts store and McDonald's and giving people donuts. And people are coming together in some really marvelous ways, black, white, purple, green, everybody. I hear all this, all lives matter. I get that. All lives matter. But right now the problem is that it's black people who have been kind of locked out economically. I know the health system is, is showing up in the COVID thing that uh, more people of color are dying, suffering. And then along comes the protests and, of course, the rioters and the looters and, and all that, which I just cannot get behind. But I want to know what you think about it. You're, you're an African-American man. You're living in a pretty well mixed race community, a good community. Uh, yeah. Have you gone on any protests? I mean, tell us about it. Yes, I have, I have participated in protests. And uh, the one I went to was actually... Uh, a collaboration of our county and uh, Ralph, everybody was there. Um, the police chiefs from four different counties, the mayors from four different counties, religious, civic leaders. I mean, literally, I actually saw pagans for justice. That was a new one. It was all types of people, African-American, white, Latinos. I actually saw a Muslim family that was there. It was really peaceful. Some teenagers actually led with some action items that they wanted to see, which I thought was very, it was just very good because um, multi-generational, multicultural, different religions, different walks of society. There were folks who were actually struggling with homelessness, all types of people that were there. It was a beautiful thing. Were there evangelical Christians or was it just yes. our kind of liberal yeah. brothers and sisters? No, it was everybody, like from every different denomination, from Southern Baptist to Methodist to Episcopalian. It was a great representation. It was hot. It was very hot. Some of the organizations are actually combine their efforts to make sure everybody had water and we marched. I actually marched with a police officer who their police chief said, we're not with, we're not here to just observe. We are a part of this community. And so they actually were um, integrated into our, uh, our, our protest and march. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So when you hear about the different protests and the looters and the rioters, you know, it's, it's, it's disheartening. But I think if you take a real, you take a step back, you know, language is very important. So oftentimes what I hear is, it's sad what happened to George Floyd, but protesting and looting is wrong. And that reveals focus and it reveals where your heart is. The proper analysis of it should be burning, looting, protesting, and rioting is wrong, but it's horrible what happened to George Floyd. And so I think those two different dynamics actually paint a picture as to how people see what's happening in our country. I don't want anyone destroying property, burning property. Uh, you, you know, have people that's worked all their lives for like these mom and pop stores. But when it comes to murder, 
taking a human life, I think we have to put it in its proper perspective. So on when we participated in the protest, what we saw was what is the hope that our community can bring when we come together. You didn't see anything like that. You didn't see the, the bad stuff that we we're hearing about. So I want to come back and talk about this a little bit more because I, I'm seeing a response that's trolling me a lot from the evangelical community. But I want to ask you again, because, you know, right now, evangelicals quote Dr. King right and left and center. And yet uh, evangelicals were famous for sitting out the civil rights movements. It was the mainstream churches, the old mainline denominations, the liberal churches, yeah. that evangelicals would often condemn that were actually out there in the streets of the South marching and sometimes laying down their lives. And yet now Martin Luther King Jr. is a saint to all of us, and yeah. we like to quote him, and some are using his words to condemn what's going on in terms of the peaceful protests as well as the riots. And I ran across some, a website, I'm not quite sure what I think of it yet, theconversation.com. That's the whole web address. The article that I found was one that started with a question. The headline was a question, why are white supremacists protesting the deaths of black people? and talks about you know all the racial killings and the trials that have gone on down through the years, it gets into this really interesting thesis, and I'm gonna read it. It says, as researchers of street gangs and far-right groups, we see that in this case, they want to stoke a civil war between the races, one they think they can win, by antagonizing police, destroying property, or intimidating the public by adop adopting military gear, including weapons. These groups are attempting to instigate violence between the police the protesters and the public, rousting law enforcement to violently retaliate against black people en masse is the first step. In other words, we join the protests, we hijack the protests, we get violent against the police, we get the police to do something violent back. Something like that happened here about eight miles from my house. A woman who was just part of a peaceful protest was shot in the eye with a rubber bullet by the police, which antagonized a lot of people but there were white people I saw in the pictures that were antagonizing the police and, and this got this thing going on. It goes on and says that the far right is not unified by strict ideology. It's a broad movement that believes that they can overthrow the federal government by inciting civil unrest and creating a racial civil war. These people tend to believe that we're controlled by a new world order, which is you know the puppet masters mastery of George Soros. Uh, so yeah. this morning sent me a, a deal from Japan that George Soros caused the COVID virus, you know, crazy stuff. But they go on and they quote, they get serious here. William Luther Pierce's 1978 novel called The Turner Diaries has become known as the Bible of the racist right. It lays out a plan to in instigate a race war and bring down the federal government. This book inspired the bomber who blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City and eventually was executed for doing so. From the very beginning, when the Justice Department began to say that they were looking at other groups that were instigating uh, violence in, in the protests and, and co-opting the peaceful protests, that's been my opinion. I found something that seems to support that opinion. Still an open question. I'm not sure of all that, but I believe that. What troubles me is that when I, when I get on Facebook, I see a lot of my white evangelical brothers and sisters who are, are speaking pretty much in opposition to the last statement that you made. Rather than condemning, I mean, we need to condemn bad cops, but we don't need to condemn cops. We need to right. not defund cops because we need cops. No. We do need to defund 
departments, I mean, the, you know, the whole thing of we want to tear down the Minneapolis Police Department and rebuild because we know it's racist. That's what their city council is saying. Yeah, let's go for that. But let's not get anti-cop here. But let's, on the other right. hand, not get anti-black or anti-murdered people because there are murdered people who more than their civil rights were taken away. It's interesting they prosecute under civil rights laws. Their life was taken away. And then let's not slam 12 to 14% of our population for being upset about them being suppressed and murdered. And I'm seeing some really stupid things by Christians that really irritate me. How do you feel about that stuff? I, I mean, you are, I don't know if you're on social media, if you're reading this stuff, but what does it do to you as a black person in your heart, in your soul, as a follower of Jesus? I am tired. I am frustrated. I, I'm angry. I have two sons, an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old. And instead of celebrating and focusing on my 18-year-old, who is a valedictorian of the school and on his way to college and scholarships, you know, I had to sit him down and make sure that he understood not to be wearing a mask while he's driving. Because if he runs into a police officer, we want to make sure to see his face, maintain eye contact when he's going to grocery stores. First incident happened with Ahmaud Aubrey. I'm sitting him down. And then three weeks later, we have George Floyd. So sometimes the disconnect that I have with my colleagues, my my white pastor friend, is seeking to understand versus dismissing it. It's isolated. And this is the manipulation of the media. And those things to me are in what I call a social space. It runs across your timeline. It runs across a newspaper. So sometimes I challenge some of my friends. It's okay. That happened in Minneapolis. Let me sh- let me tell you what I did when my son turned 16 and my um, youngest son was 11, knowing that both of them are heavily involved in school and sports. So I'm sitting them down. I'm actually role-playing my son, a cop stop. And my youngest son, I'm showing him how he should react if Justin, my oldest son, gets pulled over. They don't have that same experience. Like, what is causing me to see this world the way I see it. So you can't, that's not media manipulation. I am a blood born again believer who trusts Jesus, who preached the gospel to a multi-ethnic church. And I'm telling you, there's funda- something fundamentally wrong with how blacks are treated. And I think that's the challenge. So move, moving on with the social media timelines, people find information that already confirms what they believe. If they don't have, they don't have the experience, the first thing that some of us do wrongfully is just completely dismissed. We shouldn't be protesting. So when Colin Kaepernick of 49ers peacefully protested, the narrative was changed in saying that he was desecrating the flag. So you shouldn't be protesting. Okay, so now you move it forward a couple years later and there's peaceful peaceful protests that have been hijacked. It has. I have pastor friends of African-American who are African-American who are literally saying that there are people in communities who are not a part of the community that who are causing these problems, and that narrative, once again, is being hijacked. I pay a lot of attention to the news. I, I, on the internet, I don't watch TV for news. And I saw a Middle Eastern woman who's a lawyer for a New York law firm was arrested for throwing a firebomb. white woman was arrested for bringing a half dozen Molotov cocktails and trying to hand them out to peaceful protesters. I saw a shot here in California of a guy who's arrested, but a white guy, or throwing a firebomb, another Molotov cocktail. Are these isolated incidents? And are they things that we should just ignore? Uh, you know, something's going wrong here. And it's right. serious 
implications for our country. But you know, we're you and I are both a part of, of exponential, and exponential's main frame this year is talking about just unity in the body and yeah, uh, prophetic is that. Yeah, it's it's very prophetic. It's, it's very uh, apropos, and yet here we are, people taking a, a stance of a, just a dismissive stance. I was so pleased to see the NFL repent this week for how they've treated Colin Kaepernick. I watched that thing from the very beginning. He was not protesting America. He was not dissing the flag. He was protesting murder by cop. I think that that is a valid thing. And and you know I'm hoping somebody resigns him because they're talking like they're going to. They're they're saying they did him wrong. And and yet that same wrong I think is being committed when I look at Facebook and I see some of the things that that friends of mine are posting that are just yep. embarrassing. Yep. Yep. And and you. And here's the thing, and that's, I think we were talking about this earlier. The world's reaction doesn't surprise me. It never has. I used to be in the world. I did whatever I felt like. That's why I needed saving. That's why we needed saving. The challenge I'm having, Ralph, if I'm honest, is with pastors. Pastors who simply say, just preach the gospel. We don't use that same litmus test when we're dealing with abortion. We just don't preach the gospel. We march. We protest. We uh, offer solutions. We offer alternatives. But that's not what we do when it comes to racism. When it comes well, to so racism. Some of the same people that were protesting, even violently, the closure of churches due to COVID, are the ones who are condemning protests over yep. murder. It's just totally incongruent. We had an incident happen locally in Charlotte, Keith Lamont Scott. And from that incident, i never forget, July 7th, one of my guys that I'm currently uh, discipling, uh, he was so angry and upset we led him, I led him to Jesus using this tr horrific event. This uh, was another guy that I'm, I'm currently still disciple who saw the same incident where an unarmed black man was killed by police officers. And he said, Antoine, I got to do something. He actually became a cop. And so now he's in the middle of this. He's African-American. He's a Christian. He loves Jesus. He's the husband of one wife. And he still feels the turmoil that's happening in the streets. So this is not anti-cop by no stretch of the imagination. It's one bad seed does not discount the whole the whole harvest. And it's the same thing that the protester, one bad protester or a group of minority protesters in number should not undermine a whole movement. And if the church, if the church would address these issues, then the world wouldn't have to address these issues the way they're addressed. And so the blood's on our hands to the extent that we have not lean into these hard spaces. We have not talked to our congregations. I challenged one pastor and saying, okay, slavery was bad. When slavery was over, where did the slaves go? Where did the former slaves go? Some of them stayed on the, on the plantation. They had nowhere to go. So when Jim Crow came and you had the white segregationists in the South continue to try to bar them from education, bar them from these things, the black church is a result of not being allowed in white churches. So I said, so where did the races go? When the Civil Rights Act of 1965 happened, where did, where did the races go? Did they just die off and that one stroke of the pen had just caused them to be obliterated? No, they integrated into society and we are seeing the sins of the father to the third, fourth generation. And so these young people, they don't have, a lot of them don't have Christ and they are upset, they won't change, and they're expressing themselves in a way that just think 
if we would address this issue previously. Just think if the church as a whole, collective, because there were pockets of resistance when it came to slavery and pockets of resistance with the Jim Crow, but the, the church as a whole, we have whole denominations that were formed because of the slavery issue. Because so, they supported slavery. Exactly. I mean, so some of the biggest denominations in America, that's their history, and, and, and they're repenting over that history. And, and that's the beauty. Like, this is the crazy part that I sometimes can't figure out. We all understand that we're sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Why can't we repent of our sin? Why can't we call it what it is? So you hear, no, it's a sin. It's not a skin issue. Can we call it for what it is? It's racism. And I understand race is a social construct that doesn't have any biological bearings, but that does not mean that because we are aware that race is just a, a social construct that we can't speak to it. Yeah. And I think the challenge that I think we're seeing is it's the gap, the church not filling in that gap. So speaking of truth and love is, is an important yeah. thing. I, you know, I, Absolutely. I, see, I mean, from this little white boy here, I see protests that are multi-ethnic, in nature, yes, they're peaceful. They're justified, and they there's a righteousness about them. And then I see people, whether they are black people, white people, or purple people, that are trying to hijack the, the protests for violent means. Whether they are on yes. the left, on the right, in yep. the middle, doesn't really matter. Those people are wrong, and they are distinct from those people who are setting out to protest the wrong in our society. And then, thirdly, I see a class of people that are just looters they're just gonna they're gonna rob anytime there's a chance and if, if yep. they can if they can run off with a tv set or a phone they're gonna do it and we should not paint everybody a looter or a rioter because they're a protester and mm -hmm. i see another distinct group of people and that's just people who just refuse to get it and i do think that it's yeah. a, what you talked about a little bit earlier confirmation bias I have an opinion, and I'm going to cherry-pick the news to get something that makes me feel good about the, the opinion that I have. I have friends in Hawaii, because Hawaii is such a different place, who don't really understand what's going on, because Hawaii is kind of a, a, an ethnic paradise in Hawaii, and there's racism there for sure, There's, but there's way less of it than there is in the mainland. Violence hasn't happened for a really long, long time uh, in, under a racial banner in Hawaii. And so there are people who just legitimately don't understand this. But then I get the people who kind of have made a, almost a career out of not wanting to understand what's going on. Yeah. And, and they want to support a position. Or maybe they're just a little bit racist themselves. And it comes leaking out in what they say. And maybe we should call it for what it is. Because I think some of that is there. I've seen it here, there, and on Facebook particularly. Anyway, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to meet with us today. If you could say something to me as a white person in the middle of all this, what, what would you say? Hey, Ralph, you know, we've been friends, but, you know. Yeah, I think uh, things that you, it, I'm going to tell you something that you did that, man, it moved me because I was in a, I was in a bad space because if you keep feeding yourself social media, man, please, it's, it's almost, you can't, it's almost like eating chocolate. You can't have too much of it. You called me. It was 10-ish Eastern Standard Time at night. And uh, my wife was like, you need to answer it. That's Ralph. And uh, you just had some encouraging words for me. So you were, you, you listened. So if you're, if you're listening 
to this podcast. Do us a favor. And I'm talking as not a pastor, just an African-American male. Listen, please. Don't listen to respond. Don't, don't listen to rebut. This is not a time for debate. Let us grieve. Let us take this information in and just do what Job friends did initially, which was perfect. Sit with us. Sit with us and be with us because Ralph, that's what you did. You called and you said, are you okay? Man, you listen that. So please hear me. Listen first, listen and understand, and then lament with us, like grieve with us. You may not know how it feels to be a black man, but you know what loss feels like. You, you understand when you didn't get your point across or you felt voiceless. That is what some of us, if not all, because we're not homogenous, but that's what some of us feel. We feel that we're not being listened to. And so when you start seeing me weep, you don't have to say, you know how I feel. It's like, it's like when we go to funerals and someone, and we feel like we have to say something. The most powerful thing that you can do is be with us. So listen, lament, and then become an ally. Sometimes in these types of situations, people, Ralph, and I say this lovingly, because I don't want any pastors that's a friend of mine who wanted to reach out and hear this, but everybody's been reaching out to me. <laughs> like, I need to talk with you. That's fine. But you have to be an ally in your own space. You have to be able to speak to your friend on behalf of not just your African-American brothers and sisters, but humanity. George Floyd is not a symbol. He was somebody's father. He was somebody's brother. He was somebody's son. So let's not destroy symbols. He does not have to be perfect. Some of the most heart-wrenching things that I had to experience is people who were trying to teach me the other side. You know, he was this. He was that. And so, yeah, he was. He was all those things. And yeah. you know what? He was murdered. It yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> murdered. And that's the thing. So let us do that. And then when, once you're an ally, Educate yourself. Like, there are so many books that you can read. There's so many books that you can read about the African-American experience. I think if you listen to us, you lament with us, you become an ally. And here's the thing. Let's stop parsing words. There's the Black Lives Matter organization that's not godly. We get that. But it's like the rainbow, for example. We can embrace the rainbow and not embrace what someone else took the rainbow and means to them. And sometimes what we do, it's all or nothing. Let's not do that. This is the time for us as believers to clean our own house first because newsflash, there's racism that still exists in the church. I mean, I might be breaking it to some people, but there's racism in church and we have to deal with it on that level. If you do those things, it, it, it'll help you. It, it'll help us. It'll help you and your understanding. And here's the thing. If we don't make Jesus disciples, the world will make devil disciples. There's no middle ground. So it's either all of Jesus or none of Jesus. And what we have to do is make disciples because this is my biggest thing. If you believe that there's no such thing as systematic racism, where did the racists go? And did the racists have have children. And if the races had children, did their children have children? That's discipleship. So I think we just got to have honest conversations. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time to do this. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.